0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. And um, Welcome
1: once again to the Why Not Our Podcast. Today is... Just so exciting because we have two amazing guests, um, Dr Jennifer Cassidy, a departmental lecturer in Global Governance and Diplomacy at the University of Oxford, where she lectures on diplomacy, international law, digital diplomacy and women in leadership. Her PhD from the University of Oxford focuses on the unique and changing relationship between social media and foreign policy. Outside of work, you'll find Jennifer playing the violin masterfully, taking long walks with nature with her dog and reciting poetry. We also have Haru Majengwa, who works in health strategy, working on developing innovative tools and ideas that improve health outcomes with frontline health and social care teams around England, translating policy into everyday implementation. Haru's background in global health researches and works with health systems focusing on strengthening the inclusion of persons with disability, marginalised groups and those at risk of being left behind. Haru has also completed an MSc in Global Health at Brighton Sussex Medical School. Outside of work, you will also find Haru enjoying walks in nature, painting, taking photographs and exploring art galleries. I'm so delighted to have you both. Welcome to the Wine Out Hour podcast.
2: Thanks, Linda. Super awesome to join you again. It is an unprecedented time um, with everything happening.
1: Oh my God! I suppose, Jennifer, you have been nonstop with <laughs> keeping <laughs> up with, with with everything that's going on, with the changes and the, you know, the news. We were just briefly saying there before we 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 came online, like just. The absolute chaos that has been happening, uh, it, through throughout the whole election process and which we'll touch on a little bit more later, but just how the media yeah. ha- has reacted to everything and how it's, how it's happened. But, um, yeah, yeah. crazy. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I suppose the most obviously that we've been talking about that's a kind of a a repetitive topic on the podcast has been uh, gender, um, the lack of diversity um, across most areas, uh, politics, science, uh, medical profession, the, you know, music world, different industries towards women and towards um, persons of colour. And it's really, you know, gender gap, it does exist, it's there. And I talked what better way to kind of enter this conversation about the political kind of um, arena than to bring up the president of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, who attempted to form, in a way, a more feminist approach and seeking gender balance um, with her European Commission, which she was appointed uh, president of in December 2019. But she was met with a lot of rejection from the male MEPs who... In a way, kind of turned down her three candidate suggestions based on a conflict of interest, if you will and mm-hmm. I know Jennifer that you addressed the gender of diplomacy in your thesis, stating yeah. stating that gender as it is uh, is primarily focused and dominated by masculine characteristics so would you like to tell us a little bit more about that
0: um yeah, so the 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 book that it's it's, it's well, not outdated now; the, the thesis still stands. But it was in in 2017. I was actually doing my my PhD was actually on digital diplomacy so how diplomats use social media so nothing to do do with gender um, but then I wanted to see some light reading as you do mm. um, um, on gender and diplomacy and so like any good academic I just turned to google <laughs> yeah. um, uh, and I just googled gender and, and diplomacy and so this was in 2014 and the the first three titles that came up were um, "The Lives and Times of Diplomatic Wives," um, oh diplomatic. The second one was "Diplomatic Ladies," and uh, I don't even want to know what what that book was about. Um, and the third one was. Uh, the lives of diplomatic wives, the undercover world of diplomacy, oh. and I was like, "Excuse me." Oh. So, having worked in diplomacy m- myself, and uh, my first, uh, my first job and my first boss was Ambassador Anne Anderson, who was the Irish ambassador to the United Nations, and she was absolutely phenomenal. And I just thought, that, you know, this can't be, this cannot be the narrative of. of of these these women who have made such strides this cannot be the literature that's out there and so I decided to to write the book on it and yes the 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 primary thesis of the book is that diplomacy has been and is decidedly masculine and even when we promote women and and get the numbers up and if we have 50-50 which we're seeing a lot of which is you know great across the board intake 50-50 uh we're still you know forming women into this masculine framework mm. um, and and one of the main questions i i address really in the book and when i'm giving talks now and i think it's hugely important to shift the conversation um on any feminist um, not even feminist, just yeah. quality, you know, uh, um, conversation is not how many women, but where yeah. are the women? Yeah. So if you, I looked at 9,000 female ambassadors around the world. Mm. And if you, if you look at them, they are, n- Primarily, none of them are getting New York, Geneva, Paris, Brussels. None of them are getting the the big policy postings at all it is nearly next to none so even even so there's 16% average female ambassadors around the world and even if we take that as the best number we can get which is obviously mm. not the best yeah. number we can get mm. it, you still, we're still not getting the power postings at all and one funny anecdote was I said to Foreign Affairs uh, when I was giving a talk uh, in, in Ireland who I still have a great rel- working relationship with but mm. I said to them I was like you know women don't get I named all these postings and they're like oh no but Jennifer we've had a, a female ambassador to all those places and then I replied but it was the same woman and they were like oh we forgot you worked for us I was like yes and <laughs> um, I was like it doesn't count if it's the same woman being rotated and yeah. um, so you know while the while the numerics are are great and, yeah. and it's and it's good it, we it we really have to look at where are the women and it does not surprise me it, mm. with the commission that it it was met with with backlash uh, at all because it's seen as if there's a woman leader like that's enough we you yeah. know men are men and not not all men i have to mm. make that caveat absolutely <laughs> yeah yeah not all men um you know, there's thankfully so many more incre- uh, increasing allies uh, yeah. coming out um, and speaking out, uh, you know, very vocally in favor, which is so wonderful to see. Uh, but we really we really do see this thing of, OK, if you have a female leader, that's enough. Mm. You know, you know, that we, we don't need any more. But no, no one would question if we had an entire cabinet of, of men and a leader of men.
1: It's just it's just crazy because when you think of even those nine thousand women, and you think, right, who, who is assigning the post and why aren't they getting them? I mean, I'm, I'm I'm hazarding a guess here, Jeff, yeah, that yeah,
0: it's yeah. men that are making oh, these oh,
1: decisions. Oh,
0: it could completely, there there is not there's not one um, female uh, head of a foreign affairs in, in the world. Not one. Not not one. Now, now, with that said, Ireland are you know making making strides when i was in in foreign affairs there was a moment when you know a list was given and it wasn't you know uh it wasn't worthy on on a gender equality scale and it was sent back um mm. which was which was great now that caused a bit of uh yeah, I won't go in too much into that to delve. I won't yeah. say too much, but yeah, that there it was. Some people were not that happy about it, but it was great to see that you know yeah. people were, uh, you know, taking notice and saying, "No, this 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 list doesn't doesn't work out." That
1: is absolutely just—it's insane to think about. I mean, Haru, in terms of um, you know the the health perspective, and and you obviously work in developing innovation and, and, and innovative tools and ideas to improve healthcare system, health outcomes and frontline health and social care teams around England. I mean, are you is the majority of the teams and the structure of how the teams are are made, is it led by the men or is there how, how do you find it in, in that sphere of things?
2: I think it's it sort of echoes a lot of the systemic stuff that we see where For healthcare, similarly to education, there are a lot of women who do go into the occupation, but where they're sat is definitely not within the leadership roles. And even scarier for like even health policies that are affecting women, it's Mm. Mm. a woman actually leading those health policies.
1: So it's men making the decisions for...
2: Yeah. So it does have a huge impact into just how much have you embodied the knowledge of what women's needs might be. Mm. Um, just the lack of like the practical stuff as well in these positions. It's like there isn't really that much offered childcare or crashes on mm. on site. So how are women expected to feel included in these spaces? How are they expected to feel like these spaces are part of where they should be if it's just practically very difficult for them to sit in these positions?
1: Yeah. So, I, I, and, I, and I suppose with, with both of you, because you have such... um powerful roles within your uh, vocations and in your jobs and your careers how do you uh, as women and as feminists as well how do you navigate around uh, an environment that is systemically leaning towards misogyny and has stemmed from misogyny and kind of men being the voice and making the decisions for women to Try and balance out that because clearly what's happening in the world is, is we see a, a huge rise and, and by huge, I mean what you just graced on there, Jennifer, is that if, if there's one woman <laughs> doing something, it's like, wow, women for all women, but it still is a very low proportion. It's just that they're, they're given these spotlight kind of platforms and all of a sudden we're supposed to be happy with that lot. And, and that's our exactly. lot, if you will. So how, how does one kind of navigate around these obstacles of just not accepting that okay this is this is this is good this is progression but how do we go from that to a more balanced equitable landscape
0: um well if i could jump in there uh i if i'm being completely honest i find it very very tough to be uh, uh i find it very draining uh very disheartening a, a lot of the time, and mm. you know you like to put on this brave front and think that nothing gets to you and, and and everything like that. But it is, you know, it's it is a it is a daily struggle. So, for example, in 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 my job, I. I did the Master's in Global Governance and Diplomacy here at uh, Oxford in 2010-11. Never thought I'd get in in my entire life. Mm. And now I'm teaching on it, but I'm the first woman to be ever hired on the course. Ever, like in 14 years. Well, congratulations on that. I mean, what an
1: Um, achievement first and foremost, but obviously that weighs a lot of, or does it it, weigh a lot of pressure?
0: it, it, it does. And I, I really don't mind saying it, it mm. publicly at that, you know, there has just been some comments and some, you know, there, there, there's one. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so. Uh, Kind of uh, still so mad about it that I have no problem saying it publicly. But mm. I developed a gender and diplomacy course, even though my my, my PhD is digital diplomacy, tech tech yeah. and diplomacy. But I just did it because it's not mentioned. At all, so I developed this gender and and diplomacy course, and it was actually not to sound arrogant, but it was the most subscribed to course of the year. Yeah, um, and so when I was creating the exam uh, last year for for the students, of course it has to be looked over, like every every professor's uh, exam has to be looked over by by other people. <laughs> Um, but one of the questions, like, I, I'm, la- I'm stressed laughing here, but one of yeah. the questions I wrote was, uh, are human rights g- gendered or, or something like this? And, and the comment mm. of the person will remain nameless, but the comment of the professor was, um, I think, this is perhaps a bit too broad because I think, you know, women have achieved political rights. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And this is a professor I- in Oxford, like, yeah. uh, who's a really nice guy. Like, mm. like, and he's like, I think it's a bit too broad. You know, women have achieved. I was like, tell that to Saudi Arabia who don't have the vote. Like, where are you getting this? Like, he wrote that saying, um i th- i think it's too broad you should narrow it down because women have achieved you know political uh, rights and and all this stuff and i was like i wrote this big comment back and i just said fine like i'll change it and then i said Uh, our human rights gender discuss in relation to and then I named every single human right under the sun I said (laughs) pick two Um, and then it went to someone else to look at um, because it goes to two people Mm. and it came back and another professor then wrote saying would you not just write our human rights gendered I was like I'm sorry like yeah I was like, "Is this how they get you? Like, is making it it as hard as possible?" Yeah, I was like, "Is this how?" And uh, there was a comment on every single exam question I wrote from people who are completely non-experts in the field, and I was proud of myself in that I I stood up to them and I just said, "Look, I'll accept your." um comments but I just want it noted that this is n- I it feels no longer my exam and my students will not recognize these questions they will not believe that I wrote these questions yeah um and thankfully they they backed down um yeah. on it but it was so draining um mm-hmm. and this happens happens all the time so you want to put on this brave front and you want to be you know, put on these masculine characteristics that I talk about, you know, in the book. But it's tough. Yeah, yeah. having to
1: hold your own and and to get your voice across is Con- yeah constantly constantly proving yeah. the over proving the you know going around different uh, narratives. I suppose because what what at the same time what you're trying to do is create a narrative that wasn't there because women's voice ha- has not been present um, throughout history and and put in a lot of. Political change, political yeah. action—you know—and I suppose your people's mindsets will be of the kind of, "Oh well, look, you know, this is st- you're able to speak now, and and women got the vote, and the suffragette movement happened, <laughs> and yeah. you know, this is this is enough, you know." Uh, and it's again, it's 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 how do you navigate that? And for anyone kind of listening in that might be, you know, studying politics, want to go into that um, area, and they're kind of going, "Well, look what what happened with." you know, Trump and Hillary Clinton and look what's happening throughout the last four years in his presidential, um, you know, time. I, I, I yeah. think that was the, the biggest, you know, oh, it's just absolutely mind-blowing that we, we actually were in that situation and then the circus that has happened since and, and just in the last few weeks. And again, it's it's having to constantly regurgitate what we're trying to say but in a different context and narrative yeah. so that it's more uh, accepted.
0: And, and, uh, uh, yeah, and the fact that, you know, like even more white women voted for him this time yeah. than, than last time. And, yeah. you know, that, you know, it even gets me like a bit upset now. Like it's just, mm-hmm. uh, my mind can't even... It's like 74% uh,
1: of the voters of, of the white... Um, <laughs> Kind yeah. of people have voted
0: where where you know. Yeah, more like of I white I, people... I I un like I understand you know mm. it's a systemic racism. Like I I I get why why they they voted for him, but it just pains me to 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 know that and to 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 hear that and to 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 realize that. Um, mm. and and when people make the argument and they say, you know, he can't be he can't be sexist, women voted for him. I'm like, okay, the framework of the world is sexist. Like, women can be sexist. Like, this is just, it's just absurd. It's absurd to think that just because you're a woman doesn't mean you can't be sexist. It's just yeah and so we've such a long way to go but we have you know with with Stacey Abrahams we have so much so much to thank for uh Mm -hmm. you know uh, women of color in the U.S. like we are the world is indebted (laughs) indebted (laughs) a hundred percent and it's great to see that um the
1: Vice President-elect Kamala Harris um, ha, ha, has ha, has uh, w- like instantly from get-go totally shone a light on that and, and has given her debt of, of gratitude towards women of colour in the States who have been so massive and intricate in the, yeah. the kind of reunification of uh, uh, what people previously thought American land of the free and stuff, you know, so it's it's wonderful. So I guess like so what you're saying in terms of wh- any... Uh, junctions at the crossroad it's just sticking to your you know to what you what your narrative is and sticking to how you want to get what what's within you out there and even if you have kind of people getting in the way and different opinions and and kind of blocks in the road along the way it's just sticking to what you absolutely believe in is right is that basically what what yeah you're
0: kind of yeah. yeah. And as as the years have gone on to do it in a way, this is not ever, and, and I would recognize this is not everyone's mm. way of doing it. Um, but it, it, to not, I, I hate that I'm even saying this, but like mm. to not seem... So combative, uh, yeah. in even if you want to be like, even yeah. if I Trill, want to scream, seeking, isn't I, it? I, I it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even when I want to scream from the mm. rooftops, I find that I just get so much more done, and I. Uh, everything just goes a lot faster. Yeah. I hate that I have to place it, but I'm like, okay, if my actual, I always think what's my actual goal here. Like yeah. if my goal is to actually change this and my goal is to create this course in gender and diplomacy and like, and in the interview, you know, when I was being goaded by people who remain nameless, but I yeah. was like, if I was like, no calm down because ultimately if you get the job and you can do the thing the impact will be so much greater than you having one explosive you know Mm -hmm. thing in in the interview and that's not and that's not everyone's style and I respect uh people now there's times to be explosive don't get me wrong um um, but I I get that's not everyone's style at all but that's just something that's evolved with me uh over, over time
1: yeah and I, and I guess it goes back to the old adage of like I remember my, my grandmother always saying no Linda if you've nothing nice to say don't say anything at all but I think that's what women were accustomed to it was like yeah if you, if you can't say if you're going to be met with you know men going oh what do you say and there she's off of one again it's don't say anything at all but that's something that we need to change it's it's yeah oh, don't don't you can't say it but in a way that you're not seen as she you're not seen as being a bitch you know uh bossy or you know or oh, what is she talking about it's kind of to be assertive but not
0: assertive yeah <laughs> you know? as as, as Kamala Harris says her famous line now she's just like I'm speaking yes just just <laughs> just, just, just so calm I'm speaking yeah. like yeah. I'm like queen like the, like that's it it wasn't like shut up like you know like what you'd want to say to to yeah. to to defense but she's that takes like
1: oh yeah God. she's
0: just like I'm speaking And like the power of that and the calmness just said it all. Like, yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, Haru, in, in,
1: in your field, how, Oh God, how do you navigate them obstacles?
2: I think similar to what Jennifer's just mentioned, um, it's just learning to stay calm, especially when it's just really unbelievable that other people can like fully hold these views and believe these types of things. Um, and now it's, like, really nuanced type of, I guess, um, suppression of your voice. Yeah. I've had, mm-hmm. like, other people higher than me contact me and ask, like, oh, did you recognize that I was shut down completely in that meeting? Oh, did you see that this is happening or that this is, like, patriarchy playing part? And it's kind of helped getting allies within the team who we can, like, sort of discuss and, like, reassure each other that stuff is happening and it's not just, like, in their heads that they're seeing it happen or play out
1: yeah Um,
2: Mm -hmm. but one of the things that I've been very grateful for is just like really watching the narratives I use with other women in terms of trying to I get like it sounds really nice when I'm saying oh you've broken through the glass ceiling or oh you've had a leg up there but yeah the reality of it is it still puts us as if we don't belong in power we are still outside of power mm. the way yeah, that I frame yeah. and talk to other women is that you deserve that power you're just equally as entitled to have that power and that's something I'm super super grateful and I think I've been privileged to grow up in a family with like three generations of female entrepreneurs and female bosses yeah one's ever made it seem like I'm doing something amazing. If I'm in a powerful position, they're just like, yep, you're doing what you're meant to be doing. You're yeah. a leader." And I think we now need to start normalizing that for other girls so that they don't feel like it's a power grab, but it's, they were the right person to get that job
1: yeah as opposed to kind of being pitted against one another because when there is a kind of minority of successful peers in a field i think what happens a lot within the the female spectrum of things is that we are pitted against each other and it's competitive mm. and it's and obviously the world there are so many different jobs and careers that are competitive but i think with women because it's such a narrow field that instead of lifting each other up and and giving affirmative you know uh, confirmations of hey, you're doing great, and and this is wonderful. That it's 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 almost kind of oh, can, can we do that? Like, what what way do we maneuver around that? And if I say that, is it is it going to look a certain way or sound a certain way? So again, yeah, I think it's 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 very it, it's still not normalized because there's, we're still at a stage where we have so much of a of a journey to go with regards to reaching an area of parity within and across the spectrum on equality and diversity. But I suppose it is being consciously aware of the narratives that we use, of the language that we use. So like kind of with that in mind, um, like Jennifer, you, I, I was looking at a, a few TED Talks that you've done, but one of them, you say, um, you know, we're always faced with one mindset over another. And that choice is the only constant in a world of uncertainty. And, mm. you know, so with that said, like what what choices do you feel as a way to a more equitable landscape in the political uh, sphere of things, in regards to you know, again, kind of, we touched on at the start, a, a feminist approach, kind of, in how we even you know look at diplomacy and how governments look at that. Like, what in an no. ideal world, how do you see it panning out, and and, and what kind of um, you know. It, we're at a crossroad, clearly, because yeah. this is just such a huge groundbreaking moment where we have uh, Camilla Harris being vice president-elect. She's the first woman. She's the first woman of colour. You know, it's kind of and that is clearly the most logical route to take, which which is a, a, a kind of something that's for everybody. And it's not a man against woman or woman against man. It's more common together. But can you go a little bit more into that and what your kind of I suppose, ideology of a feminist foreign policy and, and how that can implement the structure of how, um, you know, yeah. politics is I, laid out,
0: really. Yeah, I wish I had a fully coherent answer to mm. to, to, to to that. Um, you know, it's, it's such a, a broad, uh, something that's con- consistently changing in, well, I think everyone's mind of what yeah. is happening in the world and you know um you know b- before I even get into the feminist foreign policy you know mm. I cu- I couldn't believe the like the fact that I was so- cheering so much for an old white man Joe Biden to win like uh, you know I was like come on like I I was like we just need to get back to the status quo yeah. um this was before he picked, you know, his, his VP, but, uh, you know, so the world is changing so much. So as, 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 and so is my, my, my framework, but, but with the, with the feminist foreign policy, I think it's like one of the only concepts that wants to run itself out of business in a good way. Like we don't, yeah. w- we, we don't ultimately want to ever call a foreign policy a feminist foreign policy mm. uh, it should just be a foreign policy but yeah. it's just at at this moment to to you know to highlight some major flaws in the foreign and po- foreign policy and nations that need to be done but there's three ores that uh, that are, are intricate and and Sweden had developed them and it's obviously uh rep- it's representation resources and um but oh, i forget the third I'll remember it in a minute but one yeah. of the best one of the best quotes um about uh, a feminist foreign policy and and this goes uh, directly back uh to what to what was just just said about the healthcare but it says nothing about us without us mm. and i think i think that is just such a, a powerful um uh, mantra phrase policy you know there should be no neg- and that goes for you know it goes for anyone Wh- like no matter who women uh you know people with, with dis- disabilities pe- anyone who is having a policy negotiated about them regarding their lives they should not be left out of the table, you know. Mm-hmm. So nothing about them without them, and we just are constantly seeing, you know. We saw it in Ireland for so many years with the uh, Eighth Amendment, just men making making decisions about
2: yeah. uh, uh, women's bodily body, autonomy. What, what we,
0: yeah, and it's it's you know every everyone has. Um, like my my family were split on the issue and and to this day i still don't know how some of my nuclear family voted and i don't want mm. to know like i yeah. said to them you know i just don't think i'll ever get over it if if i hear you voted one way like mm. my fam- my family aren't political or academic or or anything yeah. um um of the, of the sort and um but it's just been so many decades of men deciding what to do with women's bodies or mm. as was was, was uh, alluded to, was saying about, was a very, very important point about, you know, workplaces. That's something I mentioned in the book saying, you know, there has to be, there has to be an environment where family and work life balance go hand in hand. Like women shouldn't have to choose between a family and, and, A career that's that 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 shouldn't be the way and women shouldn't be ostracized Mm. for choosing one over over the other and i and on that point paternity leave should be extended hugely Mm. because if first of all men want to spend time with their children yeah, and if the if the burden of childcare and the burden of raising is split equally we will see a huge difference in how things are played out because when you go for a job interview and if people you know are of the childbearing age which i know is illegal to mm. even ask now but let's be real it happens yeah. all the time of course yeah, yeah um you know the fact that if men and women are sharing this burden much more equally then you know the choice is 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 much less yeah. um, um between them so this work-life balance and, and childcare and extending paternity leave and integrating men more in you know what they want it's it's not i'm not saying men don't want to you know and did they, they do that in, sweden. T- What's it yeah, in yeah, sweden yeah yeah mm. yeah yeah exactly um and i know we extended it um um a bit a bit in in ireland but um my sister just had a child and because of the lockdown like her husband is you know with the child and just um, yeah and just loving it and you know i think i think men are denied that so hugely and that has such an impact yeah like further in for just the trajectory of their careers um so I think that's a that's a huge huge thing that that needs to change, um, and 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 simply the representation is the the key aspect, and the representation, as I mentioned, regarding not just numbers but mm. uh, where are where are the women, not how many women, but where are the women? Yeah,
1: I mean, it was it was I it was probably April or so I was I visited my sister in March in Ireland and I ended up getting stuck because Ireland went to lockdown and um, one of the days her car broke down and I seen this chap coming outside and he just was kind of going, oh, hey, do you need a hand with your car? I said, yeah. And I ended up chatting to him and he was in such good form. And I said, I have to say, I said, you're such a warm, happy person. And he said, you know what? He said, I have three children. And he said, my wife just had her third child. We just had our third baby. And he said, this is the first time in being a father that I've had time to spend With my child, he said, and I am, uh," he goes, I am ecstatic. I'm loving it. He said, I never really thought about it too much because it was just ingrained that, you know, women stay at home and and mind a baby. And he said, but with lockdown, I'm working from home. He said, I'm only going to the office once a week. This was at the early stages of COVID. Yeah. And, um, and he was and you could you could literally see it in the guy like you could see yeah. how his energy was popping you know he was just so happy and he was walking around in shorts and a t-shirt and you'd know by him you know he, he was he typically wore a suit because the way he held himself and everything and yeah. he said you know what he said I'm, I'm reconnecting with my happiness and we ended up chatting while he was just jump starting the car and, and I just thought you know this is amazing and yeah, I kind know, of I, I, yeah I kind of walked away going you know there's so much that we take for granted as women as well and there's so much that. Uh, you know, men take for granted as men, and I think the more conversations are opened, and the more kind of you know things that we talk about in an open and 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 really um, transparent kind of way that, that we yeah, can we, and, and, that we can hear each other
0: and a non blaming. You know, I I think once you know, even hearing that story when you when you are saying that, like, brings such a, a smile smile to my face mm. because you know um, we blame. It we blame men as, you know, quite a lot for the framework that society has created. Mm. Um, now don't get me wrong. Like we have heard so many statements, (laughs) like, um, as I've just alluded to from, from, from my own personal uh, experience. Mm. Um, but you know, there's, I really, really am of the mindset of, we need to allow, people to have the opportunity to learn and to grow and like if they don't take that that's uh, then we can start perhaps judging or, or whatnot but like one one example is I'll quickly say is my my who was my supervisor for my PhD who's a brilliant brilliant man and he wouldn't have known a lot let's say if not anything um i think he would openly say that about you know um just gender equality um, in general but he was he was just really, wi- like, really willing to learn, and that's all you can ask. And one time, he he published a book in diplomacy. Like, he's he's one of the world's top world experts on diplomacy. And he handed me the book, and he had changed all the keys to she's, and I yeah. was just like like fully crying in, in his office. Yeah. Um, and he openly says, he's like, look, I don't get it all. Like I don't understand it, but like, I'm trying and I'm like, that's all you can ask. Like that, that, yeah. and I'm, Yeah. It's that's, unreal. It, yeah, yeah.
1: It, it reminds me of—I don't know whether you've read the um, book *Invisible Women*, which exposes this data bias.
0: Um, I should have read that because it's—it's it's literally right up my street, but I haven't.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, do and it's—it's—it's it's, it's basically it examines a world that's that's designed for men by men, and, and and again, it's kind of it's about both kind of you know men and women kind of. Turning around and kind of seeing the world from different perspectives and different viewpoints, and kind of listening to each other's stories and being mindful as well. I mean, Haru, with in terms of the work that you do and and with strengthening inclusion of of people with disability and marginalised groups and and those being left behind, you know, how, how do you approach that in a in a way that you feel is implementing that change and is implementing that? that shift in how things are to how things should
2: be? Oh, it's a really interesting question. Um I think I have to take like several steps back. Yeah. <laughs> and understanding it. Um so in in I think in my mind we're sort of coming to this really, really huge change or choice, whether we like it or not, um, mainly being the climate the future problems that we're seeing now are not based on like those classical perspectives of politics and international political economy of like war, security, fighting the other group, but it's now what we're going to do when the climate changes, what we're going to do when environmental disasters and millions of people are displaced, end up coming to your door. So it almost seems like there's a huge part of the private sphere that's ending up bringing politics home in some way, shape or form. Mm. Mm. This usually was the place where women were expected to be like dominant and in charge. But now most policies are talking about obesity rates and trying to get to net zero, which is things and decisions that are in people's lifestyles and their home. So it almost feels like the future discussions we're having need some of the... Aspects or values that women held um, of facilitation, communication, networking, those feminine values that we previously saw as weak are now the ones that are going to be super, super useful. The countries that we're seeing really fighting COVID super, super well are Mm. countries which are led by women, which Mm -hmm. is showing that like when the problems change we're going to need very diverse groups of people to start resolving these problems
1: yeah I mean it's it's um women's equality it's not just a moral issue it's not a humanitarian issue it's it's you know it's a security issue it's so many things in one and I think when we go under that umbrella of, of the necessity of having you know, parity of having, uh, you know, it's equality and and a fair, equitable kind of living world, working world, professional sphere. It's just so vitally important to to the balance that we need because so many things are off balance, you know, and, and you look at Greta Thunberg, and you think you know, everyone's like, "Oh, you know the the, the pressure that she must be under to you know waking yeah. up because you, you know yourself when you have a busy schedule and, and you kind of wake up in the night and you go, oh, did I have to do this,' and I, oh I I I can't forget this.' or Well, I, I do that. I can't speak for you too, yeah. but no,
0: God, no, I'm God. I'm the same at the moment. Can like, you yeah. imagine what that poor child because
1: she's still a kid, you know, and and to go from what was it two or three years ago where she's sitting there and 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 Haru just bringing up the global um climate uh absolute devastation has gone on in the world it's kind of you know for one, one and, and a lot of people i know a lot of people say oh she's a tool she's a puppet you know there's been loads of people before her that have done it they just sit you know signaled out her and, and that's that but she is resilient she is a very capable young young woman and she has inspired hundreds and hundreds of thousands within marches and yeah and it's so funny because we've seen during covid uh, and in the last year that the, the Biggest amount of marches has happened this year throughout all of history. You know, in a time where nobody's supposed to be out on the streets. You know, I, so it's it's this kind of like juxtaposition of you know we 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 have been told to do certain things, and this is what the thing that we have to do, and these are the rules. And but I think in a way you kind of have to break the rules a little bit in order to strike change and to enact change. I mean, do you, do, how, how yeah,
0: you? yeah. I definitely, I. I... I I had mentioned bef- before about like the uh, the framework of diplomacy. Like mm. w- when when I speak about diplomacy, and it can be it can be politics and be it can be education, and, and you can put any word in for. It, but I I don't talk about like gender and diplomacy, gender with diplomacy. I, I talk yeah. about the gender of diplomacy. Yeah. Um, and so when I when I say that, I'm like. It, it's not taking the participation of men in in diplomacy for granted, mm. but it's just examining how normative ideas of of masculinity have shaped diplomacy, um, and have shaped the framework. So when we're bringing women into this, we're bringing them into this masculine sphere that's um dom- dominated by it. And like one one example that I always uh, look to is, is Hillary Clinton, that, you know, she was berated during the final, you know, months of her campaign for being, you know, too stiff, no no charisma, all what, this. What clothes
2: was she wearing? How did yeah. she join them colours? <laughs> yeah,
0: all, all this stuff. And I'm like, well, there's no way she would have made it to where she was now had she not adopted those masculine mm. characteristics there's absolutely no way and then when you get to the top mm. you're expected just to change and yeah. then become this this quote unquote what the world sees you know as a woman and yeah. i gave i gave a a, a lecture last year in, in soas at university and and someone asked me and said like uh they were like they they said oh you seem so uh confident do you, do you think that you had to change your uh you know characteristics when you were uh working in the UN to be more masculine and I was like well first of all I wish I was like powerful enough that anyone would even notice me in the UN if I changed my characteristics. So I was like, I don't think anyone would notice. Um, I was the most junior of, of, of all people. Um, But uh, I said to her, I was like, I may seem like that now, but that is, that is years and years of hardening. This is not my, Uh, uh, this is quite like vulnerable to say, but this is not like my true personality. I don't think, Uh, not, not that I don't think, I know it's not Mm. my true person. My true personality is for better or worse to cry at most things, like Mm. to, to see, to see an ad, a Christmas ad on a TV and to cry at it and, you know, to be so invested in American politics, when I'm not American, that I it's think empathy, the whole. Empathy, empathy. Yeah, so, yeah, and, but I've had to harden up so much over the last few years, mm. um, like over the last 12 years. And, and, you know, whether this has now actually just become my personality, you know, because it's yeah. just been so long, but it's, it's not who, it's not, who, who I am and I, and the, the, the student was like, well, thanks for saying that. I think it's very important to, you know, be really transparent with. Younger generations, got I camp. I'm at the age where I'm like, younger generations, oh God. No. Oh no. We're still oh, millennials, God. it's okay, oh, we're still God. millennials. I know. God help me. Generation, what was the, gen- the, the, the youth, the youth. Um, like, oh God. Um, that's the first time I've said that. This is, a, this, this is, a, this is a, this is a moment. Um, but I think it's really important to, to say to the younger generation that like, yeah. you know, uh, just because I'm standing up here now doesn't mean that I, you know, was born like this. This is yeah. not what I was. Bo- I was born like this. Has taken a lot of years, and you could you can do it too. Now I'm hoping mm. that you know, as we've, we've spoken about in the in the last while, that this will you know people will not have to change this much. Yeah. Um, and you know the the the, the really good point made there about, you know, uh, the, the political coming into the, to the household once more. There's a, there's a quote that, I, that's in the, in my book from Harold Nicholson, who's, was deemed the godfather of diplomatic history and I used to revere him until I found this quote and now I'm like okay he's on my list for, for life I know I know um, where
1: this is going I'm just going to yeah,
0: yeah. see <laughs> yeah so but he he wrote the quote and this is verbatim he said "Um, and this is you know not, not that many years ago but he said women are prone to the qualities of zeal sympathy and intuition which unless kept under the firmest control can be dangerous qualities in international affairs and i was like i was like you know way to fall out love with someone (laughs) yeah exactly but i was like call the sky blue but i was like i'm pretty sure like zeal sympathy and intuition are pretty good qualities for diplomacy like yes you would think um, that they are probably the, what, the, the best <laughs> yeah yeah like it, it's just and that's not not that long ago and yeah. you know all the diplomatic scholars all the diplomatic lecturers across the world are, are men so everything we read everything we learn in class everything I teach in class is written by is written by a man
1: well, actually I, I was only talking to Haru about this yesterday um I mean we we're just speaking about you know this chat we would be having today and we were talking about kind of the hardening up and the compromises women have to face and 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 make but with that being said and i i said this recently um as well in an interview that i did it myself and i was thinking we shouldn't have to always compromise and and, and factor in the the literature the teachings the Philosophies of men, because yeah, you know our society is changing, our culture is changing. We should be, you know, while whilst it's great to be revered and to look look to what has come before, because we must in order to advance. You know, it's so necessary to re-educate and I say re-educate because well it's fantastic because we've all been educated on male predominantly male structured literature uh, textbooks uh, teachings philosophies you know from every profession so it's kind of where do we go from there so to to what especially to to, to young women that are listening in and, and that are interested in asking the question why not her which is what this this whole thing is about it's kind of like you know who who inspires the empowered? Like um, empowering women, uh, who are they empowered by? Like what 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 books? Because I know Haru, myself, and you kind of mentioned a few books yesterday. Um, like what what books are you currently reading, Haru? With that in mind, of kind of going, you know what I respect, and I think it's it's wonderful that we have the education that we have. And oh my god, we all checked our privilege already. Like, but it's really like we are very lucky and fortunate to. You know, grow up in this uh, part of the world, in this kind of society where we have access to, as you mentioned at the start, Google. You know, Google at your fingertips. You know, education is all around us. You know, the accessibility of it is all around us, and it's kind of how to and in some senses it's, it's we're saturated we're we're drowning in a, a sea of so much information so with that said i mean what what books what female authors what female minds and um you know gurus and writers and, and poets and stuff do do you turn to and, and this is a question for both of you um with regards to empowering Yourself from the mindset of of uh, women empowering other women.
2: Yeah, no, I'm really excited about this. My housemates just signed up to like a reading group that sends her feminist books every week. Yeah. Oh. Okay, yeah. we want to join already. Yeah, I, I was <laughs> just about to say, I was like, where can <laughs> I sign up? <laughs> this week is called Feminist International by Veronica Galgo. Okay. Describing Argentine- Argentina's um, feminist movement that happened in 2018. And how that's now spreading across the world. Um, and the other one she got was A Kick in the Belly by Stella Stella St- is around women's resistance through slavery and how they worked to get to certain positions. And mm-hmm. another one, which I'm really, really enjoying, it's called the Verso Book of Feminism, um, which is written by Jessie Kindig, and I think it just goes through like through all the timeline and what women were doing, which is like really inspiring or super good at that point, but through the world's entire timeline. Really, really interesting. But for real inspiration, if I'm honest, is Queen Anna Zinga, who is meant to be from Angola. And I think she was a really, really astute diplomat and military leader for like 30 years. She managed to stop the Portuguese army from like invading and from slave trades moving across to sub-Saharan Africa and she led like amazingly for about 50 years so there are many women leaders who have hopped in and out of African countries which I'm just like searching for and I find one I'm like okay I'm gonna look up to you for this week
1: and that's something that we should be doing because it's it's celebrating uh, because I, again with, with history and with text and what we've been educated with it has left out these amazing women that that did exist in history that that were there and and have achieved and have been leaders and and have been successful leaders uh so that's that's amazing um but it, we definitely want to be part of this book yeah, different yeah, yeah. topics I mean so what 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 has been your take home um on kind of them books that you've read, like what would be, you know, the the inspiring factor of them?
2: Uh, in, in my mind, it's, it's a lot. There's a, It's just way, way, way too broad. I wish I could articulate it easier. Yeah. It almost feels like localization is going to be what our world is coming to next. Mm-hmm. And within that, there is so much space for women to really find their voice and own their voice and own mm-hmm and start bringing back, I guess, what we are really good at and what our values or big traits are, subjectivity, emotions, empathy, for those to be on the forefront of what we do because the world isn't going to get much further still valuing masculine traits of objectivity, militarization and having Mm -hmm. those groups. So there's something to be said around how we lead, when we lead. And yeah, that's something I'm taking home quite a lot. Like, I don't need to remove my feminine traits to be a good leader. I need to actually express them more because the world needs to hear it a bit more right now. Yeah,
1: so it's elevating the voices, really the the kind of the gush uh, capabilities and, and the, the being intuitive, as you said, like these 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 amazing amazing qualities that we have been told are not really good. You know, we to Let's put aside, but these are the ones that we should be embracing. And I, 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 what I would love to see is even just that, um, that woman that you mentioned there, Haru, in the book that you're reading, you know, that leader. And, uh, you know, we should be reading about all of the amazing women throughout history and not just to be continually spoon fed, you know, uh, and this, I, I don't know whether I'm putting it in a a negative sense, but it is kind of perpetuating a misogynistic kind of viewpoint because we're being continually fed a a certain narrative of of history and and about history. Mm. And and that's not really the true one now, which is what we know. I mean, it's, you know, they all even when they sent a man to the moon, they wouldn't have been able to send a man to the moon had it not been for women of colour, you know. And, And it's kind of... And now we're only hearing about it. You know, they only made a film about it a few years ago. This happened decades ago, you know, so it's kind of that celebration. So that's fantastic. We'll definitely look up them books and I'll put it in the um, in the in the podcast uh, description for sure so that people can can check it out. And what about yourself, Jennifer? Like what books have, have empowered you and why?
0: Well, just, just before I say that, I absolutely love that. That really touched me that, that, um, what was just said, um, saying that, you know, to embrace the traits rather than, um, you know, dilute them, uh, yeah. in, in terms of leadership like that. I think that's going to stick with me for quite a while. So thank you so much <laughs> for, for, for saying that because, yeah, I think I've like, as I mentioned, like been pushing that down for so long, but it's so, it's so wonderful to hear. Yeah. Other women just saying, no like it's okay to, to to do that and we need to do that so i just yeah. want to say thank thank you for saying that that really that, really that really struck really struck with me and yeah i actually wrote it down <laughs> <laughs> um um but yeah the, regarding uh the 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 books that, that i i should read more than i do i know that's awful to say um but it's just because i'm Read so much for uh, academic on, and, on, on, yeah. on the t- on the tech side, yeah. Um, but I the the last one of one of the the last books I read, and I actually did a book club with her. W- w- was Samantha Power's book, mm. um, and the Education of an Idealist, uh, and she put up on her Instagram saying like oh uh, if you're in a book club i was not in a book club by the way and then i ju- and i just <laughs> <laughs> um i said um and actually roshe engel came along into the book club as well um um i said oh i commented you had to comment and and, and- then link an idea and a feminist idealist and anyway I was picked for the book club and then I was like oh wait I actually don't have a book club so I had to like like make a book club and I was like guys now just pretend we're all being a book club for ages so yeah. and then but within seconds I fully revealed that we weren't a book club so she copped on um but we had um Like a two hour discussion with her, uh, on her, on her book. And obviously her being from, from Ireland and, you know, like literally down the road from, from, from me. Uh, just, just, I've read like that book, the, the book I've just finished with was Clinton's book, Susan Rice's book. Um, I just like reading the human stories of of women, uh, yeah. just to you know. It, it harks back to to what I was saying that you know we oh and oh let me not forget which I have on the mantelpiece like the shrine Mary Robinson. Everyone matters. Like she is my idol in life. The hand that um, rocks the cradle can rock uh, the system. Oh my God, she's my dream and more. Yeah. Like when. When I um, when Foreign Affairs put on the uh, a book launch, uh, graciously for for me on, on the thing, and Mary Mary Robinson came because she wrote the oh. forward to it. Yeah. And when I was giving the speech, I thought I was like, oh, she's not going to come, like it's Mary Robinson. I was like, oh, that's fine. Yeah. And when I I was looking around, and then yeah. I just saw Mary Robinson's floating head, and I was like, yeah. oh. My, I, I love that. You just seen her floating it, <laughs> Yeah, literally just, and I, I, I nearly like, I had my speech prepared. Like, I had practiced it so much. I nearly messed it up and I was like, I cannot. She is the dream. Like, I'm obsessed yeah. with her. It's amazing. Um, but it's, it just, when, when I read those books, it really just humanizes. Um, people like whether they're, you know, I, I try and read people from all different, like, political spectrums, not mm. so I'm just, you know, b- banging home of, of what I, you know, uh, believe in. But it, it just, it really, yeah, it just shows that, you know, we, we look at Mary Robinson and, and we think, oh, of course, you know, Mary Robinson, uh, you know, did that or, or did that. But we're like, she wasn't Mary Robinson. She wasn't the Mary Robinson we know at yeah. 2025. 20, like the courage mm. it took. And one example actually of this was my uh first ambassador, Ambassador Anne Anderson. So she was a third sex, so the the begin it that's like the entry level in diplomacy. Um in 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 foreign affairs in in I believe in the seventies maybe uh like early seventies, and she was posted to Geneva, and she asked for spousal pay for her husband, and because they give spousal pay, they still do for to to uh, diplomatic wives. Yeah, and foreign oh, affairs, yeah 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 yeah, and foreign affairs were just like no it's yeah. like he, he's a man they're like he can get wow. a job yeah and she fought them on it for yeah. a, a year and she won and I just and people think oh, of course it's Anne Anderson like she's the person who was the ambassador for all these all the major postings but I'm mm. like the courage that took at the beginning of her career when she could have been that could have ruined her like they they could have never promoted her um and I just think reading stories like that and seeing people, you know, before we knew them as Mary Robinson or Samantha Power or Anne Anderson uh, and just being inspired by kind of, you know, their bravery. um, They're the kind of book's, that I like to read but I should read more Um, but
1: well, well, yeah. we're in yeah. Haru's book club now so yes d- delighted
0: and <laughs> Deli- finally in a d- legitimate book club that I don't have to lie about like <laughs> yeah. brilliant
1: I mean just because oh my god I could just talk to both of you for so long but uh, the the final uh, question that I did want to ask was, What what is your favourite quote from a woman? And mine was actually a Mary Robinson one. The hand that rocks the cradle can rock the system. Have it etched into the back of my iPad. Um, so to kind of draw a, a, an end to this lovely um, um, chat, and thank you so much for both of your time. What uh, modern kind of uh, self-help books and, and, you know, all this kind of, you know, be be mindful and and surround yourself with positivity and mantras. Yeah. I mean, what what is your mine was always just badass women. You know, it wasn't this kind of. <laughs> um, but what is a mantra or a a, a quote or or something that uh, by a woman uh, throughout history that not even questioning because I mean, women we do tend to question ourselves a lot. Um, but in in what capacity? Why and and what quote have you taken that? constantly is uh, a, a source of, you know, you know what? You got this. It's okay. Things will be fine. And you just lay back to it. For me, it's always been Mary Robinson. I used to go by in a bus. I don't know whether you remember this, uh, Jennifer, but I think it was on O'Connell Street in town. There used to be this tapestry this, this, this store, I think it was a carpet store or a bookstore, and it was a tapestry of Mary Robinson. And I used to go by and I'd see it in the window and I used to think, oh, my God, I just love that piece of art. Oh, um, she's the dream. And it was, you know, was Mary, I, just, I just think she's wonderful. You know, I mean, she was an amazing president, you know, and and what she went on to achieve after that was just incredible. And I think she's she was she really, for me, she changed my world as an uh, an Irish woman, and uh, with yeah. regards to how I looked at women's place in Irish society. Um, yeah. So yeah. So what to kind of end this conversation? Like what uh, quote uh, empowers you and and kind of perks you up when you when you need it?
0: To end off the the day that's in it, I think one of my new favourite quotes is "I'm speaking."
1: Yeah I, yeah, I love her face when she says it. Yeah, I,
0: it's so poised. I'm going to use it for the rest of my life. Like it's just <laughs> phenomenal. So I had I had that been a few years ago. That would definitely be the quote that I would have been saying right now. But it will be the quote in if we talk in 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 a
2: while. That will definitely be up there. Um, yes. yeah
1: brilliant. And what about yourself, Haru?
2: I think um mine's quite similar to Jennifer's one. Um Maxine Waters, I, I I don't remember which American room she was sat in, but she said, I'm reclaiming my time. <laughs> <That's-> oh <laughs> lovish. Yes. <That's> lo- <laughs> lovish. But my actual one is going to be Bell Hooks, um, where it's I will not have my life narrowed down. I will not bow down to someone else's whim and or to someone else's ignorance. Oh, nice! i have yeah.
1: stored that in my brain now. Just yes. yeah, it just kind of washes over you nicely, doesn't it?
2: Yeah,
0: right. I, I, there's so many. One, one, last one. I, I think just the end of Maya Angelou's "Is and Still Again I Rise." I think that, yes. like when when things are looking really low, that is just a poem I always always turn to. Yeah, um, but yeah. God, there's so much food for thought for this whole conversation. Know, thank you, thank I you am. so much. Yeah,
1: it's so lovely speaking to you both. It's just wonderful for for women to just connect and to to have these conversations where you know, not once in in this whole um, time did we dismantle did we have to dismantle or smash the patriarchy in any way? And I think mm-hmm. that's the 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 main thing that we're we're trying to do here is to work out a way and um, you know to, to how to process the environments that we're in in a way that doesn't seem like this weird like oh they're feminazis and stuff like that so thank exactly. you so much what, what thank two you. wonderful women to uh, exude that and thank you so much for taking the time today